Truth News Network. Fake news, circular logic, disinformation, outright lies. What do you do when the truth goes underground? Well, here, let me get that door for you. Welcome to TNN, the Truth News Network. And your host is Dan Newman. Well, I guess according to Pete Moss, we're underground now. Well, let me just say this. We're not there, at least not there yet. But is that what is going on in our world around us? Is our government in cahoots with other governments and other very powerful people here in the United States that they want the truth to be forced to go underground? Hmm. Hadn't thought about that, have you? Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. Midweek, hump day. First week in February. Valentine's month. Well, my February begins a little bit earlier than Valentine's Day. This Saturday is my bride's birthday. No, I'm not going to tell you how old she is, but I will say this about that. She's older than I am. She married a baby. She robbed the cradle. I know she's not listening right now. If she was, she'd be on the phone calling me down for doing that. But also a really big thing about Valentine's Day is Valentine's Day is our wedding anniversary. Yeah, I get a lot of crud from my friends when they hear that. Oh my gosh, you just destroyed Valentine's Day for her. Now you only have to get her one gift, an anniversary gift. (laughs) I guess that's one way of looking at that. But nevertheless, I will say this. I am blessed. I am blessed with a amazing bride, an amazing helper, and she has always, for almost 48 years now, she has always looked at me and just thinks that I can do anything, that I'm going to be successful in anything that I do and try. And folks, i got to be honest with you, not everything I've tried, not everything I've done, have I been successful doing it. It's a good thing that more than half of it has been successful. I just wonder where she would be on this if uh, the percentages were the other way. Uh, I don't think she'd be there where she is today. But anyway, I'm a blessed man, and I get it. I know it. And so here's what we have for you this morning. You may not know this, but our president has a high-level meeting with the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. In fact, that's going to happen later this afternoon. Why would they wait till late in the day to have this meeting? I, I tried to think it through and come up with some answers. Maybe it's that some of our financial information and news comes out early today, and they want to get that out before they speak. It's going to be principally about renewing our debt obligation. That debt obligation expires every year, and it's got to be renewed. And remember this, the United States House of Representatives has sole constitutional authority to determine what money to be spent and what on. That means the White House has got to coordinate all this with the Congress, the House of Representatives. And they had Nancy Pelosi for a long time pretty much gave whoever was in the White House or a rubber stamp for spending 
issues, not so much anymore. So we're going to get into that. We're going to go there first today at the top of the show. I've got some news for you about that. But first, I just want to, I like to open with a song, a cheerful song. Why don't we do that? This is called American Dream. You'll like it. It's a husband and wife singing. And yeah, it's got a little country twang. Here's American Dream. I want a sunrise with nothing in the way. Waking up in a weed field on a broken old two-lane. Leading out to a dirt road in a mailbox with my last name. I want to step off my back porch and walk down to the lake. Most of us who are together today, we have international listeners every day. Maybe they too have the same dream as we have here in the United States of America. What's the big U.S. dream? I can pretty much sum it up for all of us. It's discussed in the Declaration of Independence and it's promised in the United States. What is it? We're all equally endowed 
with the same things. Equality. Equality. Not equity, which the far left are trying to turn it in to equity so that they can determine what equity is that we're going to all experience. No, it's not that. It's equality. Equality, not in every way, but an equal opportunity to do what we want to do and live our lives the way that we feel are the best ways to live our lives. There are so many people out there that don't like that. They don't like the fact that we share that. Why is that? Because our government, led by Democrats, have very quietly, now not so quietly, but they have pushed us towards the brink of authoritarianism or even totalitarianism, where a group of people at the top of the heap are the ones that are endowed by whoever and whatever to be powerful, to make all the decisions, to rule over us like kings and queens or like uh, communist leadership. I'm not funning about that, folks, and I'm not lying about it. It is now factual. That's where we're headed. A lot of things to talk about today, but we're going to start at the White House. I uh, talked with Little Bird just a little bit ago about this meeting this afternoon between the president and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Going to talk about our debt limit increase or going and uh, signing a new debt limit And it's supposed to be clean. President Biden said he's not going to negotiate. It's going to be a flat no. He wants no strings attached. Just let me sign up for me to be the guy that determines how much debt we're going to have. And there's no quid pro quo, supposedly. Now, Kevin McCarthy, he's kind of in a crack for two things. Two things that he did. Before he was formally named the Speaker of the House, he made it very clear, very clear, that he would not do anything that would end up causing the United States to default on our debt. Now, what debt would he be speaking about specifically? Bond debt. When these foreign countries and even our United States uh, retirement funds buy treasury bonds, there have to be interest payments every year on those bonds that are out there. That, I'm sad to say, is part of what we borrow to pay. And if we don't have money because we haven't extended our ability to borrow money, technically it would be a default. We wouldn't be able to pay those. That's never happened in U.S. history. So what is Joe Biden doing with it as president? He is trying to shame his political opponents, and to just giving him a blank check. And we all know what Joe Biden does when he gets a blank check. He has spent more money than any other president in a short period of time. He's just run amok with our dollars and cents, dollars and cents that we don't have. He likes that, and he wants to do it again. So Kevin McCarthy said, I am not going to let the nation default on its debt. But then, as part of his agreement with fellow Republicans in the House to name him, formally name him House Speaker and to give him the gavel, he had to say a debt limit 
increase or a renewal will only come if the Biden administration agrees to roll back spending to the 2022 level. In other words, no increase. Now, they're going to meet this afternoon. I'm not sure who else is going to be on the room. I don't think there's going to be anybody else politically. There may be some administration people and Kevin McCarthy's folks that work with him, but I don't think there are going to be other members of Congress hanging around or maybe even not even uh, people on Joe Biden's staff. I don't know. They haven't disclosed that yet, but it's going to happen at 3.30 Eastern time, 2.30 for those of us in the central time zone. So by the time you get the evening news, late afternoon news, you're going to know what happened in that meeting. So is Kevin McCarthy going to hang on and not give in and give the president a blank check, give him carte blanche to spend money as he wants to with no throttle there that Republicans will have say-so in? I don't think Kevin's going to give in. Now, that might surprise you for those of you that know me and know where I have been in my thinking about Kevin McCarthy and leadership in Congress. I don't trust Kevin McCarthy. And I hope my feelings are the wrong feelings. I want him to be successful, and I want me to be wrong in this. But he's always just seemed to be, to me, just a political fight. You know, like the term neophyte, a political fight. He's willing to do whatever is necessary to cut deals. And he made some commitments there that he better stick to or his tenure as Speaker of the House might be very brief. Remember, part of the agreement that he had with his fellow Republican House members to elect him as Speaker is that any Republican at any time has the right to call for kicking Kevin McCarthy out as House Speaker and replacing him. So McCarthy's got a big road to hoe this afternoon with President Biden, and we all know talking to President Biden about anything, I don't care what it is, it's going to be slippery. Now, what do you mean, Dan? He can't remember things from 10 minutes ago let alone 30, 45 days, two months ago, even a year ago. He's lost as a goose. And his people, his fellow Democrat Party leaders, they're taking advantage of that, his cognitive disability, which is very obvious. It's there and real. How deep is it? How serious is it? We don't know. They shelter him as much as possible. But just watch him. Anytime you see him give a speech or just responding uh, off the top of his head to press questions. He's nowhere near the Democrat talking points. They're scared to death when he gets off that uh, viewer that's all scripted, his speeches, even things he's supposed to say, who he's supposed to call on to ask questions. And then, of course, those questions are always pre-done. Biden's staff knows who's going to ask what, or they don't have that person's name on the list for Biden to call him out in a press briefing. It's all structured and coordinated. And when he gets off script, there is no telling what he's going to say. So by the time we get back together tomorrow morning, we'll kind of have a pretty good idea of 
If not, what's going to happen, we'll also for certain know what happened in that meeting. We may not know what the debt renewal process is going to look like. If if there are loggerheads in this meeting this afternoon, they'll push it down the road. And that's what Kevin McCarthy said he would do unless Biden commits to specific budget levels for the U.S. government regarding spending. So you know who's lost in all of this congressional leadership stuff this year? Adam Schiff, Democrat from California. He has been on the House Judiciary Committee. He's been on uh, the Oversight Committee, the Intelligence Committee. In fact, he was chair of the Intelligence Committee for years. And going into this, the House Speaker, of course, has the right to appoint people whoever's going to serve on any committees. And Kevin McCarthy kicked Adam Schiff off of those real high-value committees. Certainly not in leadership, but he's not even a member. So House Democrats yesterday, they're trying to throw Adam Schiff a bone, and so they appointed him to serve on the House Judiciary Committee which is a high-profile committee that is investigating the Biden administration after his being booted from the Intelligence Committee. Now, Schiff, approved by the House this week, joined other Democrats on the Judiciary Committee, led by their ranking member, Representative Jerry Nadler, fondly called by Dan Newman at TNN Live, the Penguin. And the reason they're putting Schiff there is to presumably wage war on the Republicans on the committee while they investigate Joe Biden and all his minions. So before he ended up on this committee, Kevin McCarthy blocked Schiff's appointment to the Intelligence Committee by Hakeem Jeffries, who was the minority leader, the new minority leader for Democrats in the House. McCarthy in December of 2021 said during an exclusive long-form interview that Schiff, quote, knowingly used a fake dossier, the steel dossier, to lie to the American people for two and a half years. And that, of course, was the basis for the Russia collusion hoax that Democrats carried out against former President Trump for more than two years. They still are, as a matter of fact. So the Democrats with Schiff are going to have to figure out a way to stall that Republican-led committee's probe into Hunter Biden, President Biden's mishandling of classified documents, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, and the FBI and the Justice Department. Their first hearing of this Judiciary Committee is set to start 10 o'clock next week. The panel chaired by Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio is going to take its first step by investigating Biden's border crisis. And this is a quote from Jim Jordan. We'll examine border security, national security, and how fentanyl has impacted Americans' lives. The same committee will be on the front line of any impeachment inquiries that the Republicans choose to take on, should they, such as removing Alejandro Mayorkas as Secretary of Homeland Security. Last week, Schiff announced he would run for California's U.S. Senate seat in two years. 
and doing so would join what is shaping up to be a crowded primary that's running for Senator Dianne Feinstein's seat, and she has yet to make her final decision on whether to run for re-election, although she's laid the steps to do so. Now that just tells me how brutal are Democrats when it comes to political seats in government as it pertains to their fellow Democrats. If you want to kick a long-standing Democrat out of a seat as Senate, ah, just go ahead and do it. Don't even come out when you announce and say anything nice about Dianne Feinstein. It's kind of like, she's done, she's toast. Additionally, Schiff's announcement quick about the U.S. Senate run quickly received an ethics complaint from one watchdog group for clearly using official government video for campaign purposes. That violates federal law and the House ethics rules since House members are prohibited from using House and Senate floor video for campaign purposes. But then, you know, none of the stuff like that has any sway on most of the leaders in the Democrat Party, like Adam Schiff. They don't give a rip what the rules say. They're going to do what they want to do regardless of what the rules say. So what's the big deal? Nothing will happen to him for using some video to announce his uh, run for Dianne Feinstein's Senate seat. Nothing's going to happen there. So some other big news came out early this morning. I don't know if you've heard yet. And if you're a sports fan, this one uh, will be kind of sad in a way. The only seven-time Super Bowl champion, a quarterback, who happens to hold every major NFL passing record, Tom Brady, he announced in an emotional beachside video that he is retiring for good. Now, you may remember a year ago he retired, but then he came out of retirement and came back for this season that had just ended up. Now he says, I'm done. The video was posted to his social media accounts exactly one year after he said goodbye to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he said he was going to focus on commitments on the field. He would announce his return less than two months later. And this season with the Bucs didn't turn out really, really good for him. Everybody expected another run for the Super Bowl. It just didn't materialize. Here's what Brady said. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process was a pretty big deal last time. So when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. I won't be long-winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used up my retirement essay last year. He said, I really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me. My family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors, I can go on forever. There's too many. Thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. And he posted several pictures of his family, his friends, his teammates, and coaches on his Instagram stories. He led his team, the Bucks, Tampa Bay, to the playoffs, even as the team was dealt with a ton of injury, finished with an 8-9 record this year. Brady finished the 2022 season 
with 4,695 passing yards, 25 touchdowns. On a normal day from a normal quarterback, that's a great year. It was the sixth straight year he topped 4,000 or more passing yards. He led the league this season in passing attempts, 733, and he completed 490 of those. In the video, he talked about a message he sent on his Twitter account on February 1st last year detailing his thought process when he stepped away last season. He didn't mention specifically he was retiring from football in either post. This is difficult for me to write, but here it goes. I am not going to make that competitive commitment anymore. Now, this is from his last year speech. I have loved my NFL career, and now it is time to focus my time and energy on other things that require my attention. I've done a lot of reflecting the past week and have asked myself difficult questions, and I'm so proud of what I've achieved. My teammates, my coaches, fellow competitors, and fans deserve 100% of me, but right now, it's best I leave the field of play to the next generation of dedicated and committed athletes. He just couldn't stay. He couldn't go away. I mean, come on now. The only quarterback in NFL history to win seven Super Bowls, seven of them. I mean, when he got four, which is the number that Terry Bradshaw had at the Pittsburgh Steelers, it was a shock that any other person besides Terry Bradshaw and Joe, what's his name, from the San Francisco 49ers. Those are the only other two that got four. Now, Brady's retiring with seven. That's a really big deal. And, of course, I'm a football fan, as all of you know. It's going to be hard to find somebody that's as good, as consistent, as a trigger man on any professional football team than Tom Brady. Looking around the league right now, there are some really good ones out there. But none of them are even close to coming to be in the stature of Tom Brady. They may get there. Got some really good quarterbacks around the league. 32 teams in the league, you got some really good quarterbacks. I would say there are five or six out there that have a good chance to maybe get all of the way, maybe not all the way, but most of the way to um, that of Tom Brady. He's going to be missed. Tampa Bay fans love Tom Brady. Oh, my gosh, they were ecstatic as they should have been when he left the New England Patriots when his contract expired there. And he went down to the beach. Tampa Bay, that's a great city. I've been there many, many times. That part of Florida is a great place to live. Every part of Florida that I know of that I've been to is a great place to, to live. I've, I've been a lot of time on the Redneck Riviera, which is the northwest part of Florida that curves around and it runs up under Alabama and Mississippi. The Redneck Riviera, we've gone there for years and people laugh about it. But let me tell you this, there's no other place in the United States that has sand naturally as white as it is in northwest Florida. It's, it doesn't exist, and it's a special sand that many, many years ago, generations ago, it came down from a river in Florida, Alabama, 
and it opened up down there where this beach property is for about 100, 150 miles. And it deposited all that white sand down there. That's why they get that. And with that comes water, Gulf water, that is much clearer than most of the other places on the Gulf Coast. So you learn a lot this morning. You learn a lot when you listen to TNN Live, don't you? (laughs) Got a couple of stories posted this morning at truthnewsnet.org. Kelly Nelson weighs in with part one of a two-part series. It'll rock you to your toes. Make sure you read it. And also, our friend, our partner, Steve Baker, who joins us every Tuesday to give us live reports of his investigative stuff, he not only was with us yesterday, but he broke an FBI whistleblower, a whistleblower's details that this FBI agent experienced in the aftermath of the January 6th debacle. And we posted that interview with Steve Baker and that FBI agent. Steve Friend is who the agent is. You want to check that out for sure. And we're going to be doing more of that coming up. We will, on days, we'll have posted more than one story. They're not always going to be originals from TNN Live and our editorial staff. But it's always going to be appropriate, applicable, and important. So make sure you spend some time there. And if you want to make sure you don't miss any stories like that, when you go to the front page of truthnewsnet.org, down on the right side, there's a place to fill in a subscription. Now, subscriptions here are free. We don't sell anything. It doesn't cost anything to be part of the Truth News Network family. That's not what it's about. But if you'll put your name and email address in there, every morning, early in the morning, before most of you get up, Any new story will be published and there will be a link directly to those brand newly published stories in that email you get. And you can just click on those links and go right to the stories. You don't have to go looking every day if there's not a new story up. And you certainly don't have to go look at the website and filter your way through because it will take you to the story page of that brand new story. All right. What else are we going to get into? Well, we got to talk about the FBI. The FBI, nobody questions this. It has become very obvious the FBI and at large the Department of Justice are all in the tank for authoritarian measures to be taken over American citizens and also authoritarian measures when it comes to protecting Democrats in government. And that especially applies to our president, Joe Biden. That's up next, but we got a whole lot more. Sit tight. In fact, buckle in. I pass through the trees. I leave behind the mountains. I weave in the air. I fly over the birds. And I wish when I complete my journey, I leave behind a better world. Honda Civic Hybrid, India's first hybrid car with IV Tech engine. Leave behind a better world. 
Hi, I'm Jet Williams. Even though I never knew my father, Hank Williams, his legacy taught me the meaning of lending a helping hand. That's why I support the Orphan Foundation of America. OFA is committed to providing education, mentoring, and a workplace readiness for thousands of teens aging out of the foster care system. With the help of OFA's support programs, these young people can go to college and trade school, graduate, and make the leap from foster care to success. To learn how you can help, visit Orphan.org. Des Moines HelpWanted.com salutes the employee of the month. The one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday you took a selfie, hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday you were at an amusement park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Dave's, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Too much spin on your plate? How about a diet of truth? The Truth News Network sets your table. And here again to serve it up is Dan Newman. Now, we keep close tabs on everything that happens in the White House that we can get our fingers on. And, of course, we're finding out all the time now how much we are not getting told. The FBI searched that think tank at the University of Pennsylvania where President Biden had an office. You remember that? Well, they investigated. The FBI went and searched there after the president's lawyers informed authorities that they discovered classified documents in that office back in November. Now, we didn't know about the FBI searching there. Remember, the Biden folks, including the president, said, we notified the National Archives. We notified the Department of Justice. They didn't. The FBI initiated this search. It was conducted in mid-November with the consent of Biden's team, by the way. No search warrant was sought. Two anonymous sources told CBS News this. It is unknown if more documents were recovered in the FBI search of the Penn Biden Center. That's according to CBS, by the way. The White House, along with the DOJ, did not disclose this search to the public. Biden's lawyers had originally found 10 classified documents at the Penn Biden Center. That was back on November 2nd. More documents were reported found at Biden's Delaware home December 20th, January 11th, January 12th, and January 20th. But they're the most Honest, oh my gosh, clairvoyant. No, 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 not clairvoyant. They are just totally wide open, transparent for anything and everything to the American people and any group or any organization the American people rely on for accurate information. This administration's, they're plugged into everywhere, right? Why didn't they tell us this stuff? Before CBS's latest report, the only reported search conducted by the FBI was on January 20th, when Biden's team 
consented to a sweep of his Delaware residence. Here's what, if you remember, we heard exactly word for word on January 20th. The DOJ had full access to the president's home, including personally handwritten notes, files, papers, binders, memorabilia, to-do lists, schedules, and reminders going back decades. Biden's personal lawyer, Bob Bauer, said, noting that the search took more than 12 hours. In the same release, it said the DOJ took six items consisting of documents with classification markings and surrounding materials, some of which were from the president's service in the Senate, some of which were from his tenure as vice president. The DOJ also took, for further review, personally handwritten notes from the vice presidential years. So the White House and the DOJ, i got to add that in there, they all kept the discovery of the classified documents a secret for more than two months before CBS reported on a leak on January 9th. The administration has yet to explain why President Biden did not come forward about the documents when they were first discovered in November. So, Democrats are likening all of this when you put it all together. Oh, it's just the same thing as what happened to the Trumps. The FBI went in there because the Trumps wouldn't give up these documents to the National Archives and they wouldn't respond to a subpoena. So they had to do that. President Biden, hey, he's been clairvoyant. I said that word again, clairvoyant. It doesn't fit here, Dan. He's been transparent. He's come forward telling the American public everything. He's been open and honest with the DOJ, the FBI, and anybody else that has authority and comes in and needs to look for stuff. But why did they not reveal that the DOJ had been in at the University of Penn? As a matter of fact, the Biden administration took it one step further. They gave a timeline. They gave it to the media, a timeline of all of these classified document events that involved President Biden. None of those timelines they released showed the University of Penn, the Biden Center, search by the FBI. They, I guess, accidentally left that off the list. None of this stuff. Here's what you need to read. you got to understand this. If you don't get anything else but this from this, you've got to understand this. The Biden administration has purposely hidden this from the American people. And the only reason any of it has been revealed is after the fact that these things happened were given to the American people in disclosure before the Biden administration shared them. The only reason they came out, remember, they told us this after it came out that the Department of Justice had not been involved or had kept it secret and didn't want, they had an agreement with the White House to not release that the first batch of classified documents had turned up. They thought if they could keep it secret together, the administration, and the Department of Justice. They would have nothing to explain. President Biden 
would have nothing to explain to the American people because they would never know about it. Does that sound like a transparent administration? What he said he was going to do, his administration, and he still says it, is the most transparent in American history. No other president has been as transparent in their term of office as has Joe Biden. Lies. And I know that surprises you that Joe Biden would ever tell a lie. I think in most cases, folks, when he lies, he may not even realize he's lying. He may think the stuff he's saying is factual. That's interesting. But you know what? Anybody has the right to believe anything they want to believe. Whether or not what they want to believe is accurate, truthful, or honest, that's another thing. But anybody, anybody can believe anything that they want to. So we just got a note and got a uh, audio from a meeting. Max Miller, do you know Representative Max Miller? He's a, a Republican congressman. He got asked early this morning, I think it was on Maria Bartiromo's show, Fox News Business, got asked about this McCarthy-Biden meeting. And I got to be honest with you, I haven't heard this. Let's listen to it together. Biden and Speaker McCarthy meeting this afternoon to discuss our debt limit and being able to go ahead and pay our bills. Well, welcome back. Well, today, President Biden will meet with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy at the White House for their highly anticipated debt ceiling meeting. A White House memo says that Biden plans to uh, pose two questions to McCarthy, whether he'll, quote, commit to the bedrock principle that the United States will never default on its financial obligations. Well, we know Kevin McCarthy will say yes. And when McCarthy and House Republicans will release their budget. Joining me right now is Ohio Congressman, House Agriculture Committee member and House Science, Space and Technology Committee member Max Miller. Congressman, it's good to see you. Thanks very much for being here. You know, it's interesting to hear Biden turn it around on Congress because the truth is, is Congress has not produced a budget. Yeah, that may be true, but the negotiations are going to start today with Speaker McCarthy and President Biden, and this is going to be our starting point throughout this. But if we look at this, this is responsible, it's sensible, and it's what needs to happen. This country has maxed out our credit cards so much so, and every single American, as they go throughout the day, they try to live within their means. This country has maxed out the credit card. We are going over and beyond what the means are. We need to dial all of these things back, but the starting point will be when Speaker McCarthy McCarthy meets with President Biden today and really negotiate, and that will be our starting point in a way forward. But to be clear, throughout these negotiations, Speaker McCarthy has been abundantly clear that when it comes to Social Security and Medicare, benefits are off the table. So this, this nonsense talking point coming from the left about this dangerous rhetoric from the right simply just isn't true. We're going to operate in good faith, and I'm looking forward to see what comes out of the meeting today. Well, are you expecting that Joe Biden will agree to go back to 2022 spending levels? I mean, he said he's going to veto anything you all put in front of him. 
Right. Well, there's one thing that we know about President Biden. It's that he legitimately does not care about the American people. And we have seen it time and time again. He is going to have to come to the table to negotiate reasonably and responsibly with the Republican Party, who now has the majority of the House under Speaker McCarthy's leadership. He is going to have to budge. That being said, I am not in that room today, and I'm very much looking forward to what Speaker McCarthy can share with our conference as a way forward to get this done for the American people. Joe. Congressman, it's Joe Concha. Where specifically will Republicans cut spending? We hear that we have to cut spending in broad terms, but where specifically are you thinking about targeting? Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of conversations and negotiations about looking at the discretionary side when it comes to the defense budget to see where we can save this country. But more so than that, I wish I had more to explain it to tell you, but these negotiations are going to start today with Speaker McCarthy, and we are all standing by to see what is going to come out of that meeting, because that really is going to be our way forward. But we are actively working behind the scenes to make sure that this country is not going to default. We are actively making sure that millions of Americans will be safe and continue to pay their mortgages and car notes and to be responsible and sensible yeah. and to take care of this country. But let's just face it, we're here because of the Democrats. We're here because the Democrats don't take the national debt and the budget right. seriously. Now, we they have understand put us that. in this position. And, and they certainly have tied your hands with that $1.7 trillion omnibus bill at the end of the year. Look, Tiana, if you cut defense spending, you go back to 2022 levels, you're talking about a $75 billion cut in defense spending. That's going to be the fight. Absolutely, because if you're saying that you won't touch entitlements, right, if you look at the long-term growth of our national spending, and specifically our interest payments, which will eat up close to 10% of our economic output by, you know, the half point of the century, then really defense spending is all you can do if you're not going to do Medicare and Social Security reform. So the question is how much defense spending is on the table, because I think the Republicans especially, who are, you know, tough on national security, deserve to know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And we're going to be looking over every single aspect of where we can be in cutting the fat of the federal government and looking at the regulatory agencies and the hurt they've been bringing down on the American people. And we've already done great things like voted to defund the IRS of $72 billion. We are actively trying to remove some of the money in the $5 trillion that has been spent by the Biden administration yeah. over the last two years. I mean, just saying that again, $5 trillion in the last two years, and they want to continue to spend more money yeah. to put this country into an oblivion. Well, the Committee for Responsible Budget says it's $5.8 trillion in borrowing in the last two years. But look, we know you've done a lot in just this last couple of weeks. The House passed the Pandemic is Over Act yesterday along party lines, which would terminate the COVID public health emergency. Seven Democrats then joined Republicans to pass the Freedom for Healthcare Workers Act, which would end the federal mandate requiring healthcare workers be vaccinated. And this coming uh, just one day after the president said that he would end the emergency on May 11th, though, of course, he got the date wrong. Watch this. What's behind your decision to end the COVID emergency? Well, the emergency will end when the new court ends it. We've extended to May the 15th to make sure we get everything done. That's all. There's nothing behind uh, you. Well, he meant that May 11th. John, jump in. Yeah, what else is new? You know, Congressman, I think if we're ever going to have any type of substantial progress at budget deficit reduction, you know, it's important that we get uh, some cutbacks in federal spending. But I doubt very much if the Democrats will go along unless the Republicans agree to some uh, type of tax hikes. Any comments on that? I don't have any direct comments on that, but this is what I know. 
I know that the Republican Party is not going to let this country fail and to default on our loans. The position mm. that we're being put in is that I would never want to spend another penny if I didn't have to out of the Federal Reserve. However, I do not believe that that's a pragmatic solution to move forward for this country and every single American with inside of it. And to remember, and I'm going to continue to keep on doubling down, the Democrats never treated this seriously. They never took our national debt into consideration to protect our children's future in this country. And that yeah. is all that we have left at this point. My greatest concern is if both sides don't come to the table and find a reasonable solution, the United States dollar will no longer be the reserves world currency mm -hmm. and then we're going to be like Venezuela within probably a five to ten year period and this is something that the Democrats continue to downplay that Republicans continue and we can continue need to talk about this is a very serious detrimental issue yeah. to our country that you know Democrats just they blow it off yeah all right we'll be watching we'll see what comes out of this meeting congressman good to see you this morning thank you what we have on the most part is we have 535 people in the U.S. Congress. That's 435 in the House, 100 senators. And every one of them, they have a voice in voting for every economic issue that comes up. How many of those 535 are financially educated so that they can make real educated decisions about economic issues, budgetary spending issues? I would venture to say far less than half. That's scary to me. We don't have enough real experts that are there that are willing to and capable of looking at the totality of how much money comes in through tax revenue from the American people and corporations and how much is necessary to spend for the right reasons, the necessary reasons. Now, let me give you one example of how we don't have that expertise there. You remember, I think the end of year one of the Trump administration, when interest rates just went lower and lower and lower, he made a recommendation to the U.S. Treasury. Of course, he got slapped down immediately. What was his recommendation? Our bond debt on what we owe. Just the debt, it's at higher rates based upon the date those bonds were purchased and the locked-in interest rates that we have to pay to the bondholders. His recommendation was, let's go in right now today when interest rates were virtually at zero and let's renegotiate the bond rates what we have to pay in interest, let's get it reduced. Let's negotiate that with bondholders. Congress wouldn't even think about it, wouldn't let the Treasury do it. Say what you will about Donald Trump. He knows a lot about running a business. Not one nearly as big as the United States government, for sure. Well, he has some experience now, doesn't he? even doing that, but through decades of running, operating successfully on the most part, huge corporations, he understands the economics of a corporation, no matter what size it is, big or little. You've got two ways to have your money go. You can spend or you can produce or generate revenue. That's the way you have to run 
any business. Obviously, the panacea is to spend less than you bring in. And that makes you be in a positive cash flow. You make profit. You certainly don't want to have a business that spends more than you bring in. How do you spend it? If you don't have it, you have to go borrow it. That's the United States of America. And most of those 535 people that serve in the U.S. Congress every year have green-lighted deficit spending for decades. Oh, it's okay. We're the United States of America. We're going to always make good on our debts. Well, here we are. We're facing a really, really big dilemma today. We can't just continue spending more money than we have coming in. And oh, by the way, they don't want to talk about this. They want to talk about tax increases, tax increases. Do you know that this year, last year, all four years in the Trump administration, each year, even with those horrible, horrible tax cuts that Donald Trump pushed through at the beginning of of his administration, that put money back in the pockets of tens of millions of Americans, even with those tax cuts that the Republicans, they pushed through, Democrats said, you're going to break the government. We're not going to be able to pay Social Security and Medicare because you're cutting our tax revenue by cutting those taxes. Every year of the Trump administration, each year, more tax revenue came to the government than the previous year and at any time in history. Even during the Biden administration, more tax revenue has come in on the tail end of those horrible tax cuts for Americans. We've got to raise taxes. That's the Democrat mantra. They'll raise that to the roof every time they get a chance. The way to increase what we can do for people is to get more money from the American taxpayers who we say we're going to do more for. When, in fact, throughout history in this nation and every other nation, when the government keeps taxes low on its citizens, more money will come into the government from tax revenues. Why is that? Because if you give the people their money, let them keep it, they're going to spend it in a much better fashion than you are. And the free enterprise system, capitalism, what that means is citizens create ways to make money. And when they make money, they send a portion of it to the government. The government doesn't make money. The government does not make profit. Any plus that they ever have, which we haven't seen in a long time, any time there's money left over, it's because of the good of the American people and governments staying out of their lives and letting them run the economics that generate all the money that comes to the federal government. Novel idea. But these people in Washington, I don't care what the issue is. Whatever comes up, Oh my gosh, we're the federal government. We were elected. We have the power. We have the authority. We can do anything we want to do. And we know far more than these plebes that live out in the Netherlands. These American citizens in Kentucky 
Oh my gosh, in flyover country, Nebraska? Ah, y'all just sit down and shut up. Let us do everything. We're going to make all the decisions and we're going to spend all the money. Just because you think something's right doesn't mean it's right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. But always get the truth about right and wrong here at TNN, the Truth News Network. What can milk do? Well, it can turn you into a morning person. It can help fuel some pretty tough stuff. And it can definitely make cartoons funnier. No, it can't. Oh, well, it can have a little edge. But come on, even kitties love it. It'll keep up with you at any age. It makes engines whir and creme brulee creme. It's one of the easiest labels you'll ever read. And anything that makes this happen is pretty special. In fact, what can't milk do? Hi, Tom Bodette, quote, checking in on my smartphone. Everyone's checking in nowadays at airports, restaurants, appointments with certain medical specialists. Seriously, people, TMI. Anyway, thanks to the Motel 6 mobile app, you can book a clean, comfortable room at Motel 6 on your smartphone and get a great rate. Then when you get to Motel 6, you can check in after you check in. Your friends will be totes jealous. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Speaking of President Biden and his decisions and what he's going to do and what he's going to base what he's going to do on, all of that, as you know, is in, is in flux every day. He'll change his mind at the drop of a hat, which he has done in the last few days. Do you remember this thing about sending tanks to Ukraine? You remember that? Well, you may not remember this. When... Volodymyr Zelensky begged the U.S. for tanks back in the spring of last year. Biden warned in March that if we sent tanks to Ukraine, our doing so would result in World War III. Hmm. That was in March of 2022. So what's he saying in February of 2023? He announced that the United States is going to send 31 Abrams M1 main battle tanks to Ukraine in what amounts to be an escalation of American support for Ukraine's conflict with Russia. Now, here's how he made it okay. And this is a quote from the Biden administration. With spring approaching, Ukrainian forces are working to defend the territory they hold and preparing for additional counteroffenses to liberate their land. They need to be able to counter Russia's evolving tactics and strategy on the battlefield in the very near term. They need to improve their ability to maneuver on open terrain, and they need an enduring capability to deter and defend against Russian aggression over the long term. Well, Mr. President, they've needed that from day one of this war. So, Biden's decision to send the equivalent of one Ukrainian battalion of tanks, it contrasts with his decision back in March last year not to send, you remember this, 28 Soviet MiG-29 fighter jets. He argued that sending those fighter jets and tanks 
would escalate to a global conflict. The idea that we're going to send in offensive equipment and have planes and tanks and trains going in with American pilots and American crews, just understand, don't kid yourself. No matter what y'all say, that's called World War III. He explained that to a group of House Democrats back in March. Representative Dan Bishop, who's a Republican from North Carolina, he pointed out the apparent about-face in a tweet yesterday. Biden last year, the idea that we're going to send in planes and tanks and trains going in with American pilots and American crews, just understand, don't kid yourself, no matter what y'all say, that's called World War III. That was Biden a year ago. Biden today? Deploying offensive weapons against a nuclear power is a terrible idea. Biden didn't say that. That's what everybody is saying about Biden sending these Abrams tanks this year. Senator Mike Lee, Republican from Utah, also rhetorically on Monday, if the American escalation would prompt Russia to attack the U.S. He asked, given that one we're giving Ukraine weapons to use against Russia. Two, Russia has an abundance of nukes. And three, Russia increasingly expressing hostility toward us. At what point should we worry that our arms deliveries might prompt Russia to attack us? Senator Lee then questioned if Congress would need to authorize arming Ukraine and if the War Powers Act could be triggered through America's arming of Ukraine. He asked, should the answer to the first two questions determine whether a declaration of war or a congressional authorization for the use of military force is necessary for the U.S. to continue giving Ukraine weapons to use against an increasingly hostile Russia? I didn't hear anybody out there talking about this overnight. How soon we forget. How soon we forget. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. If it was okay to not send them a year ago because it would be aggressive and any aggression by the United States as perceived by Russia could begin conflict that could escalate into World War III, And then today, eh, no big deal. Does any of this bother you that our president doesn't even remember March a year ago what he said? When he talked about sending these tanks, he didn't even reference what he had said and what was done last March. And a good leader would say, hey, things have changed. Circumstances have changed. Last March... I said arming arming Ukraine in any major way is going to be perceived as aggressive action taken by the U.S., and it could lead to World War III. In our opinion, in our administration, circumstances have changed such that it's okay and absolutely necessary for us to send these Abram tanks to Ukraine. And we're confident Russia, even if it looks at this, as aggressive action taken by the United States, they would not dare. Intelligence tells us, our intelligence tells us, 
Russia does not have the capability or the guts to start World War III, so we're okay in doing it. He didn't even mention anything like that. So it's hanging out there. And, of course, now the only time anybody in the media gets to talk to Joe Biden is when he's leaving the White House going to get on Marine One to go get on Air Force One or coming back. He's not going to hold an open media press conference. He just can't do it because they will not let him do it because if he does, he'll leave himself out there waving in the wind and would be just a target for anybody that would just ask him a real question to get real answers on real issues for the American people. Another thought came out just a bit ago about appointments to major committees in the United States House of Representatives since House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's taken the reins. You know, he targeted three Democrats that he refused to let serve on important committees. Ilhan Omar serving on the Foreign Affairs Committee when she all the time speaks horrible things about our biggest partner in the Middle East, Israel, and she's on the Foreign Foreign Affairs Committee. The other, of course, was Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff. They were kicked off the House Intelligence Committee, all three of them. Well, everybody's been saying, everybody in the media have been saying he doesn't have the votes to kick Ilhan Omar off the House Foreign Affairs Committee. He was asked that by CNN late yesterday, and McCarthy said, yes, we have enough votes to keep Omar off the committee. So you may remember before he got the speakership, he pledged to remove Omar from the House Foreign Affairs Committee and Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell from the Intelligence Committee. He made good on a piece of his pledge earlier this month when he formally removed Schiff and Swalwell from their post on the Intel Committee. However, as he moved forward with an attempt to oust Omar, he faced stiff opposition from a couple of House Republicans who expressed concern over due process and the precedent it would set. With a very thin five-vote majority in the House, just a handful of House Republicans could block McCarthy's efforts to remove Omar from her committee post. Representatives Matt Gates of Florida has expressed concern about McCarthy's move. Also, Ken Buck of Colorado, Nancy Mace of South Carolina, and Victoria Sparts of Indiana publicly opposed the decision to remove Omar. House Republicans are also down one vote as Representative Greg Stube recovers from an accident. But Sparts agreed to support the resolution to remove Omar from the committee on Tuesday. Sparts' change of heart occurred after McCarthy included language in the resolution to remove Omar that would allow members to appeal their removals from committees. As to my fellow conservatives, I think setting a precedent of allowing an appeal process for the speakers and majority party removal discussions is particularly important to freedom-loving legislators who usually are on the receiving end of issues like this 
That's Representative Sparts in a statement declaring her support of the resolution to remove Omar. Our friend from South Louisiana, House Majority Leader Steve Scalise, also yesterday said that the GOP had secured the necessary votes to remove Omar. And here's what the resolution says. Whereas on February 10th, 2019, Representative Ilhan Omar suggested that Jewish people in the American Israel Public Affairs Committee were buying political support, saying, it's all about the Benjamins, baby, leading to condemnation from Republicans and Democrats alike for her use of an anti-Semitic trope. Tuesday's House Rules Committee meeting on the resolution to remove Omar is reportedly being held under emergency procedures, which would allow the committee to move in an expedited fashion. It's the first time they've done so this year. The vote on the resolution to remove Omar from her committee post could take place as soon as later this week. Well, it's Wednesday. Only two more days to do that. So right now, today, underway is the very first meeting of the House Oversight Committee. And they're holding it today specifically to discuss wasteful pandemic-era spending. Committee Chairman, you're going to hear his name a lot, Rep. James Comer, Republican from Kentucky. He announced the hearing last week in an effort to look into the rampant waste of taxpayer dollars on pandemic relief programs. We've heard some of the stories, hundreds of billions of dollars have been stolen, wasted, and it seems like nobody in the Biden administration wants to do anything about it. Those set to testify, Michael Horowitz, chair of the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee, Gene Dodaro, Comptroller General, U.S. Government Accountability Office, and David Smith, Assistant Director of the Office of Investigations, U.S. Secret Service. Comer said, we owe it to Americans to identify how hundreds of billions of taxpayer dollars spent under the guise of pandemic relief were lost to waste, fraud, abuse, and mismanagement. For the past two years, Democrats in the administration and Congress have spent far too much pushing money out the door, far too little time conducting meaningful oversight of how that money is being spent. That changes with our House Republican majority. Now listen to these numbers. This is according to U.S. spending. American taxpayers spent $4.1 trillion fighting the coronavirus, which many believe originated from a military-funded lab in Wuhan, China. Lawmakers have earmarked $4.6 trillion in funding to fight the virus. Under Republican leadership, the Oversight Committee is returning to its primary duty to root out waste, fraud, abuse, and mismanagement in the federal government and to hold President Biden accountable. That's from Representative Comer. In September, the president stated the pandemic was over. Quote, the pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. It's... But the pandemic is over. He told CBS News that on their 
60 Minutes magazine show. So others are not so sure and believe the pandemic-era public health emergency should remain in place, giving the federal government special powers. That's what we need to do, is give the Biden administration more power. So the public health emergency must be renewed every 90 days. The most recent renewal happened in January. So we've got about 60 days left there. There's something big in the wind involving Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia. He's a Democrat. Remember, he's the one that caved to Chuck Schumer, majority leader in the Senate, and he cut a deal for his state. What kind of deal was cut? He was going to get a big deal promoting coal production in West Virginia, if he would flip his vote, he was originally voting against that huge spending debacle that was eventually passed, and it only passed because Joe Biden, he agreed to and he voted for the bill because of the deal that he cut with Chuck Schumer, a big spending deal for coal in West Virginia. After the bill was passed, signed into law. Chuck Schumer said, "Nah, I was committing. I was just, I was just throwing something out there to get him to vote. We never intended to do that deal, and we're not going to." So today, every Republican senator and Democrat Joe Manchin are introducing legislation that they hope will terminate the Biden administration's new environment, social, and governance rule. Now, if you haven't heard about this, it's called ESG for short. What is, what is social, environmental, and governance? What is that all about? It's the government taking control of any spending that is done and forces spending to be decided based upon whether it's good for our environment, our society, our social interactions, and governance. It's that equity thing. Well, who determines what's equitable? Do I need to even answer that question for you? It's the government. The Biden administration in the Department of Labor unveiled a rule, a federal rule, a proposed rule in November, set to go in effect the 30th of January, day before yesterday. That allows retirement plan managers to factor ESG issues into their investment decisions. Now think about that. You got to, you got to, 401c, a 401 uh, investment account. You decide where that money in there that you put in there, where it goes, where the investors for that fund that you're involved in, where they do it. Uh Uh-uh. Biden wants to take that away. It's going to be decided by the Department of Labor. They're going to decide and they're going to factor in at the top of the heap of where to send your money, not to the place that is making the most money 
for the members that are already in those in those funds, but based upon environmental and social issues. Forget about the profits stuff there, the success of these funds. What is only going to matter is environment, social, and governance issues. The bipartisan disapproval resolution led by Senator Mike Braun of Indiana will be introduced later today, and a companion bill in the House will be introduced by Representative Andy Barr. Congressional package of the resolution, it's going to allow Congress to overrule the administration and kill this regulation. President Biden is jeopardizing retirement savings for millions of Americans for a political agenda, Mike Braun said. In a time when Americans' 401ks have already taken such a hit due to market downturns and record high Biden inflation, the last thing we should do is encourage fiduciaries to make decisions with a lower rate of return purely for ideological reasons. That's why we are proud to stand up against this rule for the millions of Americans who depend on these funds for their retirement. Manchin said, quote, at a time when our country is already facing economic uncertainty, record inflation, and increasing energy costs, it's irresponsible of the Biden administration to jeopardize the retirement savings for more than, listen to this, 150 million Americans for purely political purposes. Manchin said, I'm proud to join this bipartisan resolution to prevent the proposed ESG rule from endangering retirement incomes and protect the hard-earned savings of American families. I encourage my colleagues on both sides of the aisle to support this important resolution to ensure Congress is promoting economic security for West Virginians and other Americans not further exacerbating the serious economic challenges they're already facing. Last week, a group of 25 states filed a federal lawsuit against the Biden administration over this rule, which Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes says would put millions of Americans' safety net retirement plans at risk. The Biden administration is promoting its climate change agenda by putting everyday people's retirement money at risk. Americans are already suffering from the current economic downturn. You think? (laughs) You think? You've been to the gas pump lately? You've been to the grocery store? Have you looked at your utility bills? Everything is going up. And people that were already living paycheck to paycheck are upside down. Homelessness is rising at exponential rates. Unemployment, I don't care what the unemployment reports say, people are leaving the employment market. They're not filing unemployment claims. The Biden administration, they brag about it. Every time an unemployment information record comes out, oh, look what we're doing. People are going back to work. Nope, they're not. They're not more Upscale, high-trained, highly-trained Americans are leaving their jobs than ever before in American history. What are they doing? They're finding that 
if you factor all of the things in regarding making money, working, getting a payroll check, if you factor all of the things that come out of the money that you make, more and more people are finding that I can just sit on the sidelines and apply for all the federal benefits that are out there that I'm eligible for, and I can make the same amount of money, maybe a little bit less in some cases, make more by not working at all. This is a scary position this puts us in, folks. Our forefathers told us capitalism ceases to work when half of the nation, they realize that the other half of the nation are paying for them to live, and therefore that half that realizes that is going to stop working, expecting the other half to take care of them by continuing to work and a big portion of their money in the way of taxation going to pay for the half that don't work. When people realize that, that's when our government will fail. And let me just say this. More and more Americans' eyes are being opened and realizing that. And a bunch of them are saying, ah, I'm going to go sit down for a little bit and let the government pay for all of my needs. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of Craftsman. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Welcome back to the King Value Radio Network. I'm your host, Sandy. And I'm your other host, Carl. Sandy, we are getting loads of calls today about the fresh new $1 Double Crispy Cheesy Burger. Well, hello. With two flame-broiled patties, crispy onions, and cheesy sauce for only a buck, that's no surprise. Jim from Tucson, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, guys. I just want to say I took your advice, went to Burger King, I got a new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger for a buck. I couldn't be happier. Oh, congratulations. Say, Jim, what was your favorite part of the delicious new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger? The Flame Fresh Taste. Well, I'll tell you, it had two big flame-broiled patties, plus it had crispy onions and cheesy sauce, too. It was really delicious. Oh, don't forget the price, Jim. Oh, yeah, and it only costs a dollar. It's probably the best purchase I ever made. Probably, Jim. Okay, definitely. Yeah, there it is. is. Get the new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger with double the Flame Fresh taste. In a world of weapons-grade stupidity, your defense is the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Breaking news just coming out. FBI agents were sent to the president's vacation home in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, Late yesterday, what'd they go for? To conduct a search for additional classified documents 
This is from the president's attorney, Bob Bauer. Today, he said, with the president's full support and cooperation, the DOJ is conducting a planned search of his home in Rehoboth, Delaware, under DOJ standard procedures in the interest of operational security and integrity. It sought to do this work without advance public notice, and we agreed to cooperate. The search is a further step in a thorough and timely DOJ process. We will continue to fully support and facilitate. We will have further information at the conclusion of the search. Sources confirmed that FBI agents were on the premises yesterday and will be. No, I'm, I'm wrong. This is going on right now, today. Forgive me. It's going on today. There is no warrant, we are told. Justice Department prosecutors were reportedly weighing a search of Biden's Rehoboth Beach home last month after several sets of classified documents were found at his resident in Wilmington, Delaware. Now, let me stop there and just tell you this. What if this was Donald Trump? First of all, they would storm the Rehoboth Beach home in Delaware, unannounced, would go in and force everybody to leave. They would do the search, and they would go crazy searching things. I mean, they would, they, if, if they were going to do it the same way they did Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump, they'd have to go through Jill's panty drawers and go through all kinds of personal stuff. Talk about a double standard. We are totally open. We've been cooperating. Said they notified the Department of Justice about the classified documents, the first ones that were discovered. They called the DOJ. No, they didn't. The DOJ went to the think tank's office and did a search unannounced. They didn't tell us that. They told us exactly the opposite. So what do you think is really going on? What is really going on? I got to be honest with you. There's more there than what the Biden administration is telling us. And every couple of days now, something pops out in the information world that we're hearing about things going on in the Biden administration. And it seems to me like the left and media are now realizing we got a problem. This guy is a loose cannon, and there's a lot of stuff in his wake that's not good that is now being exposed because Whistleblowers are coming forward. People in his administration, people in his past are dropping little information nuggets to DOJ and other authorities, and they're taking actions. They're checking on Joe Biden. Let me tell you, I'm going to give you a prediction right now. Because of what is going on, much of what we thought would happen and hoped would happen is in the process of unfolding and happening. What are you talking about, Dan? People in the Department of Justice realize Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's financial dealings are in the process of being exposed. And when that happens, I promise you, this will be the largest political financial scandal in U.S. history. We are going to find out that this president 
when he was vice president, maybe even when he was senator, and even now as president, is involved in financial dealings directly between him, his family, the Biden family syndicate, and the nations of China, big companies there. Of course, big companies in China are never privately owned. No corporation in China is owned privately. It's all owned by the Chinese Communist Party. Same thing happening with big politicos in Russia. This is all going to come out. And the other half of that is they are putting it together, they being the far left, leaders in the Democrat Party that are seeing more and more of the Biden wrongdoing that's always been there, but they thought would never come out. They're seeing it exposed, and it's damning their chances in the 2024 elections to get a repeat of Joe Biden. This is the precursor to moving him to the site, which I predicted would happen way before he was elected. I said, if Joe Biden is elected, he will not make four years. I thought, and it still may be, that one day Joe calls Chuck Schumer and says, Chuck, Joe's going to have to step down. He's had a turn in his health, and he's not going to be able to make the rest of the trip. And, of course, then they'll have to deal with the the debacle of having Kamala as, as president for a little bit. And that's a story for another day. They've got a plan should that happen. You can bet on that. But I'm telling you, the crap is about to hit the fan in the Democrat Party in this administration. And you know what? I hate for bad things to happen to our political leaders. But in this case, if any of this if just a fraction of the stuff that's been unveiled over the last few years about Joe Biden and his financial wrongdoing, if any of it is true, not just all of it, but if any of it is true, he needs to go. People in his administration like Alejandro Mayorkas need to go and many others need to go because they are part of a big move of people that want the government to take total charge of every part of Americans' lives. Their quest is for power. If they get power over everything, they get anything and everything they want. They can do anything and everything they want to do. And all of it comes at the cost of the American people. Here's another thing that's happening because Foreign nations realize that our president is in a place of cognitive decline. He's not a real leader. We learn overnight that the U.S. is tracking warlike announcements coming out of Iran, telling the world that it has deployed two of its military ships to Brazil, that they are also headed for the Panama Canal, where Tehran declared it's going to establish a military presence. Now, that in itself should scare everybody. Iran establishing a military presence at the Panama Canal. Now, what could possibly come of that? You do realize that the Panama Canal is the biggest 
place, the fastest way to get anything shipped that has to go around South America. Let's just say Tehran does establish a military presence at the Panama Canal. And just one day, they decide to take it over. And they stop every ship that's coming through. They take control of all these ships. Can you imagine the mass chaos worldwide that would happen overnight? And there wouldn't be a lot that anybody could do to Iran because of what they had done. They took control of the Panama Canal. A U.S. State Department spokesperson last night said, we're aware of these claims by Iran's Navy. We continue to monitor Iran's attempts to have a military presence in the Western Hemisphere. The regime control news outlet Tehran Times reported on Saturday that Iran's 86th flotilla warships, warships is now sailing along the western shores of Latin America, the Navy's second-in-command said. Fox News learned yesterday from a Western security source that Iranian warships have not yet docked in Brazil. Marco Rubio, he said in a statement that Iran's growing presence in the Western Hemisphere should come as no surprise as the Biden administration has a history of appeasement and engaging with authoritarian regimes. Tehran's ability to expand its military presence in our hemisphere should be a warning sign especially as it seeks to support the left-wing Marxist regimes that will undermine peace and stability throughout the region. Maria Elviro Salazar, representative from Florida, said Iran has been aggressively strengthening its ties to the Western Hemisphere through like-minded socialist regimes in Venezuela, Nicaragua, and Cuba. They also are looking for opportunities elsewhere. It's no coincidence that Iranian ships are docking in Brazil just a month after a socialist retook power in the country. None of this would have happened if Donald Trump was still the president. They wouldn't have even thought for a moment about sticking their noses over trying to create a permanent presence in the Western Hemisphere. None of those countries would be doing this joined in together like Venezuela, Nicaragua, Cuba with Iran. This president, this commander-in-chief is as weak as I could imagine anybody in that office that's ever run for it even, let alone been elected, but just run for that office. I can't think of a single person that could be more dangerous, could have been more dangerous to our nation, our freedom, than we are with this president, Joe Biden. We're going to keep a close watch on all of this stuff for you. And if at any time any of it breaks, you will always be go to be able to go to truthnewsnet.org and get constant updates on all of it. This is not something to just ignore. It's not, folks. This is one of, if not the most serious things that we've heard about going on in the nation and in the world today. This is bigger than Ukraine and Russia, I'm sad to say, but it is. Why is it much bigger? 
if they think that Vladimir Putin is hard to read and understand what his plans are regarding military action, I can tell you this about the Iranian regime. Nobody on earth has any idea what those maniacs are willing to do. They hate the free world. They hate the United States of America. We're called the big Satan. Well, who's the little Satan? That belongs, that title belongs to Israel, according to the sycophants running the nation of Iran. They hate us all. And any country that is aligned with us in any peaceful way, just because of our relationship with that country, they hate that country as well. Not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to get you set for what is going on in the world around us and what the repercussions could very well be. And we are not prepared. We are not in a state of readiness for any of this. Joe Biden is still pandering to whoever is calling the financial shots in Ukraine. We're finding out more every day that that FTX cryptocurrency scandal that cost billions of dollars to a bunch of people around the world, most of them Americans, there are U.S. government ties to what happened with that money. And that money, a huge portion of it, went to Ukraine, or rather it was supposed to go to Ukraine, but when it was time to disseminate the money that came from the U.S. government, that for the first time was converted a large portion of it into cryptocurrency, it didn't quite get to Ukraine. Factually, I can tell you there are investigations going on right now to find out the details of that. But remember, cryptocurrency, if it's used properly, the only places, the only people that know about the money, the crypto money and where it goes and where it came from are the people that sent it and the people that received it. And unless they give up that information, it can't be found out. What a great way to, uh, uh, you know, do trafficking, hiding money, drug dealers, smugglers, and oh, politicals that want to break the laws and keep their law-breaking secret from other people. Let's switch to another gear. This is depressing. Dave Rubin, if you're a regular here, you know I really like him. And he, he weighed in about the escalating cries of racism in the United States. And he was referring specifically to Representative Ilhan Omar, who she's gone toe-to-toe with the nation of Israel. She despises the Israeli people. You got to remember, she is a Muslim. She's from Somalia. Now, forget about the fact that she immigrated to the United States that the United States government propped her up. We gave her a place to live. She got an education. She's very well educated at U.S. taxpayer expenses. And now we find out she hates the United States and especially despises the fact that we are partners with the nation of Israel, who she despises. Dave Rubin had some really good thoughts about that. 
The same people who see racism everywhere, well, I should say racism everywhere except where it actually it is, actually is, they bring on people like Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar, who married her brother, Google it, it's true, eventually they'll re remove it from Google. She married her brother. Uh, she is a really awful person. She has been all for defunding the police. She has absolutely destroyed Minneapolis. She hates America despite being a first-generation immigrant who moved here from Somalia, became incredibly powerful, and she spends every day trying to undermine this country that has been far, far too good for someone like her. Well, she was on uh, CNN yesterday talking to Dana Bash, and Dana asked her about her previous anti-Semitic uh, comments, and here's some doublespeak for you. So when you apologized uh, for the, all about the Benjamins <clears throat> comment, you said anti-Semitism is real <clears throat> comment. You and I'm grateful for Jewish allies and colleagues who are educating me on the painful history of anti-Semitic tropes. What did you learn? A lot. Um, I certainly did not or was not aware that the word hypnotize uh, was a trope. Um, I wasn't aware um, of, of the fact that there are tropes about Jews and money. Um, that has been a very enlightening uh, part of, of this journey. Yeah, it's been so enlightening. Of course, she knew exactly what she is doing. She, she's just a, like, there's nothing we can do with these people. Like, there's nothing we can say about them that would shame them. And then Adam Schiff, and Adam Schiff, I did not, I wasn't sure of this. I had to Google it. He's Jewish. And I just like to say, as a Jew, we apologize. If I have to write a letter to somebody and just like, we don't want anything to do with Adam Schiff, I'll gladly do it. But he sits there knowing he is sitting with this vile racist woman and he does not say a word. But how hilarious is that's what the panel on CNN is. It's Adam Schiff, Adam Schiff, who completely made up the Russia collusion hoax, who now is running for Senate. He's a congressman. He's now running for Senate in Cali. So we'll probably get him. It'll be even worse in California. You have him, you have Eric Swalwell was the other guy sitting there. He's the one that slept with the Chinese spy and you know it's true because the media refuses to debunk it and Kevin McCarthy keeps saying it. And then you have Ilhan Omar who basically is an Islamist and, and at some level is at, at the very least, I mean, she's deeply anti-American. She defunded the police in Minneapolis. They destroyed Minneapolis and then she blamed the police for not doing their job on top of marrying her brother and a whole bunch of other stuff. These are awful, awful human beings, right? They really... There's just no other way to say it. If that is what you use your power for, I don't know how I can describe you anyway. And just remember, our government, this administration, plays to that. It's like we owe these people something other than the fact that she got what she got, the ability to leave a really bad situation in a really bad country. And she was allowed to come to the United States, given a great place to live and education. Nobody bothers her about the fact that she's Muslim. But we all have the freedom of religion. She does, as well as Jews, the same people that she despises. You can't just pick and choose. You're either going to be totally open to the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, the expression of ideals, and be a part of and accept that for everybody, or you can't pick and choose. 
You can't arbitrarily decide who's good and who's bad, who needs to be punished, who should get a free pass for everything. I mean, think about it. She is a Muslim. She thinks that Muslims worldwide are the most powerful people on the earth. As a rule, every one of the things that they say and do are right things. And who stands up against them and makes those people that stand up against Muslims the most evil people on the planet? People that don't believe that Muslims and the Muslim religion are good. Now, am I saying the Muslim religion is bad? I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying, everyone has the right to believe what they want to believe in the United States of America no matter what it is. And as far as free speech, First Amendment, what it guarantees is you can say anything you want to say, period. Now, you may pay a price for saying it, but you can still say it. You have that right. And it can be the most horrible thing, but you still have the legal right to say it. And the government cannot infringe upon that right. Ilhan Omar is part of the U.S. government, and she almost daily speaks out against people who think differently from her, and she wants those people to be told to sit down and shut up and have no place in government life, no place in being a part of government of the people, by the people, and for the people. She doesn't believe in that. She believes government should control. Now, just think about it. She's been elected now three times. She's on her third two-year term as a representative for Minnesota, a specific district in Minneapolis where most of the people there are immigrants. Now, what does that mean? I'm not making anything out of it. I'm just telling you this is somebody that got a great deal from the people of the United States and she hates the United States and hates the people that make the United States and have made the United States what it is. Let's switch gears. Somebody we haven't talked much about the last couple of weeks, former President Donald Trump. Now, yes, he formally announced he's running for president in 2024, And he hadn't been idly sitting by, but he's not been holding big rallies. So let me tell you what the latest is. He shredded the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, and MSNBC as fake news media in a series of videos shared to his Truth Social account and his campaign's War Room Twitter account yesterday. The fake news media like CNN and MSDNC, which is sometimes referred to as MSNBC, the Washington Compost, which is sometimes referred to as the Washington Post, and the failing New York Times are doing really, really badly and closing up shop all over the place, Trump said in one of those videos. And he added, CNN is shuttering its longtime headquarters building and the money-losing Washington Post is being peddled all over to see whether or not somebody wants to buy it. In the meantime, 
They're firing massive numbers of people. Not reporting with credibility has its consequences. The future of the fake news looks bleak, and that's a positive thing. But beware, the Marxists and communists, which are well represented in our government, many of them got there by fake news, so we have to stop it. We must stop it. December 1st, and this is just a kind of an explanation of the stuff you just heard him say. December 1st, CNN laid off hundreds of employees. Earlier this month, it was reported that the network is closing down its longtime headquarters, CNN Center, in Atlanta and heading to another property in the city owned by its parent company, Warner Brothers Discovery. CNBC noted that the layoffs ahead of Christmas were part of a broader effort at Warner Brothers Discovery to cut cost heading into 2023. Similarly, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution noted that Warner Brothers Discovery in 2021 sold the headquarters for nearly $164 million as a cost-saving move. It's very simple, Trump said. No ratings, no equal, no money. They got no money because they have no ratings. That's what fake news gets you. People are wise to it. Last week, now it's really something. Donald Trump's out there making all these allegations and bam, the facts come out and prove he's telling the truth. Last week, the Washington Post announced it's making cuts of its own. The newspaper laid off 20 of its newsroom staffers, discontinued its gaming section and kids post their news and features section aimed at children. The layoffs and content cuts come as reports have surfaced, indicating the post-billionaire owner, Jeff Bezos, Mr. Amazon, is allegedly looking to sell the post. If they'd cover the news fairly, accurately, with a passion for our country, this wouldn't be happening to the Washington Post. Of course, that's Donald Trump talking. In another video released yesterday, People don't want fake news. In a separate clip, the 45th president blasted the establishment and mainstream media in general for the narrative that he is not campaigning very hard. I say they are stupid and corrupt because the election's a long way away, almost two years, said Trump. But do not fear, many giant rallies and other events are coming up very soon. It will all be wild and exciting and we're going to bring our country back. He assured supporters that they will be the biggest part of saving our country from doom. So remember I told you, I pointed out, we haven't been talking much about Donald Trump, but I think it's important for us to keep in mind, he's out there. He is out there. So Monday night on Fox's Hannity, Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican from South Carolina, he argued that former President Trump was still his choice for the 2024 Republican primary despite a potentially crowded field. That includes possible candidates from his home state of South Carolina. According to Graham, some of Trump's marquee policy achievements could only have been accomplished by Trump. He's pointing out the obvious that most people, even Republicans, don't want to admit. 
Graham said, it seems like the Trump agenda is the agenda for the entire Republican Party, so that how will other candidates distinguish themselves against Trump if they agree with his policies? I really don't know, but I do know this. We're lucky as a party to have Mike Pompeo, who was a terrific Secretary of State, Graham replied. Nikki Haley, a strong voice in the UN for American First Agenda. My buddy and I love Tim Scott, right? We got Mike Pence, maybe the most decent guy to ever serve the government, all talking about running for president. But here's why I'm with Trump. This is Senator Lindsey Graham. I know the downside of Trump, but let me tell you about the upside of Trump. There are no Trump policies without Donald Trump. You know why NATO gave $431 billion in defense spending increases? Because they thought that Trump really meant it when he said he was going to pull out. You know why the capital of we moved the embassy of the United States to Jerusalem? Every president before Trump said, I will do it, but then all the smart people said it will create World War III. Trump said, I said I would do it, I would do it. He is responsible for securing the border through his personal will. When he put tariffs on Chinese products, it scared the crap out of Mexico, and they said yes. We'll be glad to give you 28,000 troops on the border. We'll be glad to keep people in Mexico because they thought Trump, they thought Trump would put tariffs on Mexican policies. There are no Trump policies without the man Donald Trump. And to all these people who are very talented, I don't think you could do what he could, what he did, and I want him to have another shot. Unfinished business. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. You never wonder what he's thinking, do you? (laughs) You never wonder what Donald Trump is thinking. If you do, just listen. Just listen, because what he says, he's already proven, folks, he's going to do it. He promised so many things in his campaign for the 2016 nomination and then during the general election campaign. He promised, every candidate promises, if you elect me to this office, even the presidency, here's what I'm going to do for you while I'm serving, just one thing after another. Most of the time, the promises turn out to be empty. They're not fulfilled. Trump made a lot of promises. He's the first president in my lifetime that fulfilled almost every promise he made when he was campaigning when he became president. And the ones he did not get done weren't because he didn't get them done. It was because Congress stopped them or they wouldn't agree with them. That's the only reason. I personally think, i got to be honest with you, I've said this numerous times, I do not like the way he communicates. I don't like the way he puts people down by name. I don't like that. I wish he would communicate in a different fashion. But there's my old saying that comes back, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It worked for four years in every area of the lives of every American. Name one where whatever Trump did or didn't do was wrong. Name one. 
I don't understand how. Maybe it's because he wasn't a politician. And the only political situation he's been in is as president of the United States, campaigning for and dealing with the good and the bad while being president that included two impeachment attempts led by Adam Schiff, the consummate liar, who still to this day maintains, quote, I have actual evidence that Donald Trump colluded with Russia and Russia got him elected in 2016. Not a shred of evidence ever showed up by Adam Schiff. He didn't even give us the information about the so-called evidence. Politicians, come on now. Think about the people that are in this government that are serving right now. Politicians, in most cases, they're detached from the truth. With Donald Trump, what he said, you could make book on it. Well, another day. Thank you so much for being here. You have a great Wednesday, and we'll get back together and do this again tomorrow morning. Look at us, baby, up all night, tearing our love apart. Aren't we the same two people who live through years in the dark? Oh, every time I try to walk away, something makes me turn around and stay